This morning we read from Isaiah 30, 12 to 21. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on oppression, and depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a high wall, cracked and bulging, that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break into pieces like pottery shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces, not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away to your left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be with you when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Thank you, David. Well, good morning. Yeah, that was that was expressive of uh, spring ahead, right? A little sleepy out there. Even though it's difficult to uh, get up this morning, uh, it sure is nice to be thinking about spring and uh, what lies ahead for us. It's been a long winter, really has, and we've felt it. We've felt it in our bones. Uh, we've felt it in, in just our roofs uh, leaking and ice dams and, and just uh, kind of trying to get out of the driveway. We've felt it uh, all through this winter. And one of the things that's happened to me this, this uh, winter uh, in these last uh, three months um, is right in the middle of it, you know, right in the middle of just kind of hard day and you're, you're trying to get outside and get to work and family's sort of frantic and stuff. I'll get a, I'll get a, uh, a little text on my phone with a, um, with a photo on it. And the photo is of a friend uh, who's on a tropical island somewhere. And, and the picture, uh, it seems like it's always the same picture. It's a hammock underneath a palm tree. And then the caption will say, this is where I'm spending my day, you know? And I'm going outside and it's snowing again. And life uh, is, is just difficult. And you, again, you're feeling it. And you're just going, man, Lord, I long for that place. I want to know where I can find a hammock and some nice shade. 
I think the real question is, for us, is where can I find some real rest and renewal? Where can I be renewed in my strength to, to face the day that lies ahead, the road that I'm on? Where can I find that real rest and that real renewal? So let's ask the Lord to uh, teach us that this morning. Father, we long, we long to uh, be at rest, especially at rest in you. And Father, um, life is, uh, just keeps swirling around us. Uh, we have a lot of heartache, we have a lot of struggle, and um, it seems hard for us to, to find a place where we are uh, at peace and where our strength is being renewed. And so, Father, I pray through, through you this morning, through your Holy Spirit, that you will pour out upon us, um, that you will speak to our hearts. And, and, Father, we're thankful that you really do provide that rest and that renewal uh, to face each day. Forgive us, Father, when we are looking elsewhere for that. We want to come right into your arms this morning and receive from you. You are trustworthy and faithful. And so we come to you this morning. In your name, amen. Well, the situation with Judah as we enter into Isaiah 30 is that Judah is panicking. They're concerned that Assyria is probably going to destroy them. They're concerned about their lives. They're afraid. They're confused. They're worried. At the same time, uh, a lot of that comes because they're distant from God, as we've been studying before. They don't want to hear from the Lord. They want nothing to do with Him. And so what they're doing is they're going into fix-it mode. And in their pride, uh, in their ego, ego, uh, an acronym for ego is edging God out. In their ego, as they edge God out, uh, they're, trying to, they're trying to fix the situation with Assyria, trying to find protection and help. They're trying to save their own lives. And they're not looking to God for that, going into their fix-it mode, depending on their own strength, but they're weak emotionally and they're exhausted. They are stressed to the max, really. You feel that way sometimes? Maybe right now. And wondering, where can I find a hammock and some nice shade? Well, the reality is, as we go into chapter 30, is you're not going to find that in Egypt. Look at uh, verse 1 of chapter 30 with me as we enter into the text. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, those who carry out plans, now look at this, that are not mine, says the Lord. You're forming an alliance, and that's with Egypt. But not by my spirit. You're heaping sin upon sin. You who go down to Egypt without consulting me. You look to Pharaoh for help and protection. You look to Egypt's shade for refuge. But Pharaoh's protection will be your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Depending on the shade of Egypt is like when you're on a tropical island and you go out to the beach and it's a, it's a beautiful day, it's warm, but there's all kinds of clouds in the sky and so you're not getting any direct uh, sunlight there. And so you think, hey, I can just be out here on the beach for hours. I don't really need to put much sunscreen on. I have covering. I have cloud covering above. And then you go three hours later into your room 
and you're going to change and you look in the mirror and you are a lobster. And all you can cry out is, aloe vera, aloe vera, I need aloe vera. And you just lather up in that thing and, and it's just, you're burned. That's what's happening with Judah as they're putting their trust in the shade of Egypt. It's a false shade. It's a false protection. And verse 7 says, it's, Egypt's shade is utterly useless. Utterly useless. It's like the, the people of Judah are bringing a knife to a gun battle. Remember that, that famous scene, Indiana Jones, that guy with a big saber, and he's whipping it around? And all Indiana Jones does is he whips out his gun and shoots him dead. Judah is thinking they're the guy with the saber. And we'll be with Egypt, and we'll all have our sabers together. Assyria has massive tanks. It's a gun battle, and you're going to lose. And we're putting our trust in that shade, that covering, that protection, thinking we'll find help and rest and salvation in Egypt. But it will not happen. And the people of Judah are trying to to live life on their own. They're going into, again, fix-it mode, living, edging God out of everything with their ego. And God wants to remind them of of what's going to happen. And he He wants Isaiah to write it down because he wants them to learn from history. Write it on tablets, inscribe it on a scroll that it may be an everlasting witness to the people. When you choose to find shade in Egypt, when you're choosing to find life and protection and help and salvation any other place than in the presence and in the arms of the Lord, it leads to nothing but death. I want my people, and that would be us, by the way, I want them to understand when you go down that path, it's nothing but empty. There is no rest there. There is no protection. There is no help. You cannot save yourself. And I want to show you where you can have life. But stop going down this path that the people in Judah, the Israelites, are headed towards. And look how they started to live their life and what they wanted and really demanded of God as we go on. Starting in verse 9. It says this, For these people are a rebellious people. I want you to write it down. I want the future generations to know they're deceitful children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. We want a lot of syrup on these pancakes. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Basically, get off this path of speaking all these hard things to us and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. Bam! That's a pretty dark place, isn't it? We don't want to hear from God at all. Stop telling us, Isaiah, what is true and right. We don't want to hear it. If you're going to bring us anything, bring us pleasant words that come. We do not want to hear God's truth anymore. We want our ears tickled. And the way we're going to fix this mess is through positive encouragement with nice words. Don't speak hard things to us. Don't be a hater. Do we see our generation like this? Stop telling us that Jesus is the only way to salvation. We don't want to hear that. 
Stop telling us that same-sex marriage is outside of God's original design for marriage. How dare you? Stop telling me that it is contrary to God's will to have sex outside of marriage. Come on, Richie, get in the 21st century. Stop telling me that I'm a sinner. What sin? I want to come to Jesus on my own terms. You know one of the greatest things that's happening today as people are sharing about salvation, the gospel, the good news, their gospel is only half. It's like, God's a God of love, so just come on in. Did we forget this part? Did we forget the price that was paid? We have a sin problem, and we have to deal with it, and we have to turn it over to God and say, God, you alone are my salvation. Forgive me for my sin. But we want to just come to Jesus and think that there's no cost to that. You're no longer your own. You are bought with a price. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? We surrender our lives unto Him. There is a cost. But don't tell us these hard things that we have to sacrifice for our Lord. That we have to give up our lives for Him. We just want the love part. You're so judgmental. We need to just love everybody. To let them be who they are. That's that's what's beautiful. The world needs a lot more love and we need to tolerate one another more. Stop being so critical. I want you to tell me about how the Lord wants me to prosper. And I want you to tell me about all the blessings I'm going to receive from the Lord. That's what I want to hear. Tickle my ears. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. It's really amazing how Isaiah responds to the demands of Israel. And I want us to be a people that respond the same way. It's kind of interesting, you know, as I watch television, I watch interviews, there's all kinds of stuff going on, uh, you know, in the world, and especially regarding uh, same-sex marriage and gender identity, you know, these are big topics these days. And when you see uh, pastors or spiritual leaders being interviewed on television, it gets to a place where uh, you almost feel like they're getting trapped, you know, by, I'm going to throw out a question and I'm going to try to trap you in this. And so the question will be something like this. To the, to the spiritual leader. So you believe, you believe that same-sex marriage is wrong and you believe it's a sin. You believe that. And you find oftentimes when you're watching the, the spiritual leader or the pastor, they kind of backpedal like, how can I even answer this? Uh, and I'm not sure quite the right words to say because it'll really look like I'm just an awful person, you know? So they stick them in that spot. But they always say, it's you're the one who believes this. You believe it's wrong and that it's a sin. And as I watch this and as I, as I see it constantly about these attacks on anybody who believes differently than modern America in this, in this world that is uh, just living in the flesh... I think the way I would respond to it is this. It's not a matter of what I think. I am not the Holy One of Israel. I'm not God. But there is a Holy God, and what matters is what God thinks about the choices that we're making. You see, you keep calling me personally a hater of you because I believe differently. You keep calling me judgmental. You call me cruel 
for disagreeing about same-sex marriage and that it's okay. You keep telling me to stop speaking against it. But I would hope, like Isaiah, that we would continue to speak truth. Truth in love, because reality is God loves all of us. But he wants us to deal with sin, and he wants to point out truth. And so what Isaiah says in verse 12, he said, they say, you stop telling us, stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. And so what does he say in response to the demands? He says, huh, let me tell you what the Holy One of Israel actually says about these things. You see, he confronts them with truth. Let me tell you, when you continue to live in this lifestyle, when you're looking for shade and salvation and rescue and life anywhere contrary to God, when you continue to rebel against God and live in your sin and your pride, let me tell you what the Holy One of Israel says. And here's what he says. It's going to be like a wall that's going to crumble down like we've seen in those earthquakes. And they just shatter all over. And not only that, it's going to crumble so much, there's not even going to be a shard left of any of the pottery. It's going to be that bad if you continue down this path. I can't not tell you the truth. Let me tell you what the Holy One of Israel says. But then God, in His beautiful grace and in His love for us, and as He deals with us right in the middle of our sin. Remember, Christ died for us right in the middle of our sin. Because He wants us to be saved. He wants us to have life. The life of the crumbled wall when everything is a mess around you. He doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to stay there. Look at verse 15. And this is one of those verses that you need to underline in your Bibles if you have them. Highlight them on your phones. Whatever you got going on. It's the most beautiful verse. And what the Lord is trying to do when our lives are collapsed and crumbling, when all of the king's horses and all the king's men are not able to put our lives back together again, he says this, in repentance, and and don't forget this part. This is what the sovereign Lord says. The sovereign Lord speaks about judgment and consequence for a sin And then here's what the Sovereign Lord also says, the Holy One of Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Where can I find a hammock and some nice shade? Where can I find rest and renewed strength to face the road that I'm on? In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. Repentance, a turning back. A turning back to God. An agreement with God that, God, your ways are true and right. Father, forgive me for running this way. And help me as I want to turn back. Give me the strength to come back to you. I've been so drawn over here. I've been living in my own strength, trying to, and it's all crumbled on me. And yet God in His amazing grace says in repentance and trust, in repentance and rest, repent before the Lord. You want to find a place of rest and covering and renewal of strength for your life and real life? It's coming before the Lord. It's, it's, it's living a life where we're stopped trying to fix everything. 
you know, we have so much going on around us and, and we immediately, it seems like we immediately go to, I must make this work out. That's what Egypt was doing. We've got to figure out the Assyria problem. So let's go all the way over here away from God and not include him at all. And so let's figure it out. He's like, that's not going to bring you any covering. It's a false shade. Why do we keep fighting against God? Abraham Lincoln in his second inaugural address said, Men are flattered, are not flattered, by being shown that there has been a difference of purpose between the Almighty and themselves. We don't like it when we hear what the Holy One of Israel has to say, and it's against everything that I'm doing and what I think I should do my life like. But he says, the Lord says, in repentance and rest comes this beautiful place of salvation, of, of, of being restored by the Lord, of God's deliverance. And it's, it's, it's a renewal of relationship with Him. You know, it's, it's like after you have a big fight with uh, someone you really love, and it's just brutal. And then all of a sudden you come to a place of reconciliation. You're, there's forgiveness that's flowing. It's finally, after you're reconciled, it's finally you're able to sleep again. You, re- you remember? You know that? Because all the other time, you're just in turmoil. You're, you're just like, man, this is an awful fight. Man, I'm really struggling here. And you're not sleeping at all because you're torn up inside. And then finally, when you have the reconciliation of the relationship, it's like, ah, we rest. Repentance and rest are, are tied together just like that. When you get right with God, when you turn and say, Father, forgive me for my sin, He says, I do. And now live in my rest. Live in my peace. Live in my shade, my covering. Stop trying to do life on your own. Salvation is not in Egypt. But in quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and trust is your strength. Judah would have nothing to do with it, right? The scriptures say that you would have none of it. Judah's anxious. They're worried about all this going on. There's a lot of screaming and anger, and they're yelling at each other, trying to figure out how to deal with this threat of the enemy. I can only imagine there's a lot of noise. They're trying to muster up strength to deal with the attack, the impending attack. Let's figure out a power play, how to have protection and shade to survive. So let's go to Egypt. Wrong direction, friends. Listen to the Holy One of Israel. Here's what he has to say. In quietness and trust is your strength. It has the idea of be still and know that I am God. You know, it's really difficult to be quiet today, isn't it? Quiet enough to listen to God in the the frantic mode that we're in, a lot of us. We know what our weeks look like. We know what's coming up. And we start to go frantic. We have so much information and noise coming at us. Technology, our phones are always ringing or or, uh, beeping at us. It's very hard to unplug and be quiet, isn't it? Especially you, you families of young children. It's almost near impossible to be quiet, isn't it? Beautiful children, but children are uh, loud and they're running around and, and they're crying. And I mean, it's just, it's nearly impossible to be still. I was at some dear friends uh, the other night for a growth group and it was about 
about 9.30 or so. We were just hanging out. And they said to Keenan and I, they said, this is our only time that actually we just have to ourselves. Like, it's the only time, and this is 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. This is the only time we have where it's, ah, oh, I can just rest. I think what they were really saying to us is, Richie's, why are you still here? You know, uh, This is our only time. No, they're very gracious. But you recognize that, right? It's hard to be still and to be quiet. And sometimes at the end of a long day, sometimes for those of us who enjoy wine, we can say to ourselves, you know what, I need a glass of wine. I need a glass of wine to just rest. It was been a hard day. And you know what the reality of that is? There's nothing against having a glass of wine, right? But when we start to look to that to be the thing that's going to give us our comfort and our rest, that tends to be a problem. Instead of saying, Lord, you know it's been a really difficult day. I need you now. I need you. I don't want to turn to wine to be the thing that I'm looking for to mellow me out. He is our shade. And quietness and trust will he renew your strength. And so let's go to that place. Judah would have none of it. The Lord doesn't want us to live like this. Judah says, we're just going to hop on these horses and try to escape all this, and we're going to figure it out. We're going to fix it. And we'll we'll hop on the horses, and sure, we'll get away. And what what the Lord says is, no, that's not going to happen. You won't find rest there. It will not happen. He doesn't want us to live like this, hiding from the Lord, running from Him, trying to find shelter and covering elsewhere. Because in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. And he wants us to come to him. And I want you to see in verse 18 what happens when we come to him. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Isn't this beautiful? You see, the Lord's dealing with our sin. And yet the whole time he longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, He will rise up and show you compassion. The Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for Him. Instead of trying to immediately fix the problem, right? Trying to figure out our own plans on how we can make life work. Blessed are you who wait upon Him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious He will be when you cry for help. As soon as He hears, He will Answer you, although the Lord does give you the bread of adversity. Again, the Lord's a righteous judge, and he disciplines us. And the water of affliction. Your teachers will not be hidden anymore. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. That's where you find real rest and renewal of strength. Coming into the arms of Jesus. When I read verse 18, I'm like, this is the prodigal son story, isn't it? This is, this is the prodigal where he went out and he said, to heck with you, Father. Give me my inheritance. I want to go squander it and live in my own sin. Do whatever I want in the flesh. Remember the story of the prodigal? Father, every day, where the broken heart goes to the end of the road, Waiting. I long to be gracious to you. 
You see, when we repent, we don't repent and come back to the Father and He's like, how dare you? He's the prodigal father. So let's come back to Him. Let's find real rest and salvation and renewal and strength and life. Because when the son came back, when he realized, oh my goodness, I'm living in pig soup, but I do have a father who loves me. When he came back, all the father could do is just wrap him up. My son who's been lost is now found. That's how the father views you. Why do we keep trying to find shade in Egypt? Why do we keep trying to fix life on our own and save ourselves and and do life without God? Why don't we invite him in and receive all of his blessing? That we would walk in his direction and in his path and in his way that we would confess our sin to him and be renewed. Quietness and trust is your strength. Well, you know what we're going to do, dear friends? We're going to take the next many minutes to take time to just be quiet. We're going to be dead silent in here. To actually repent before the Lord. And you know what your week looks like. You know what your burdens are right now. You know what you're feeling stressed about. And I want you to take this time to be still before the Lord and just say, Lord, would you take that? Confess before the Lord the sin in your life and return and know that He forgives you and renews you and welcomes you, gracious, longing to be gracious to you. So we're just going to take some time. In a little while, I'm going to read a few verses over you. And that will be the end of our service. So let's just pray. Let the, let the words of the Lord just cover over your heart as we come to Him. When we recognize this week and, and we know that there's a lot that weighs on us, and when we're trying to go into fix-it mode, to make it all work out. May we come to Him like He asked us to. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let the Lord renew your strength through his words out of Isaiah 40. Do you not know and have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. And even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on the wings like eagles and they will run and they will not grow weary. They will walk and they will not be faint. Are you worried about how you're going to pay the bills? 
wondering what type of job the Lord's going to provide for you, hear the words of the Lord and come to that place of rest and quietness and trust. Don't be anxious trying to fix it. Don't move into something too quickly. And therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you eat or drink or about your body and what you wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? When you look to the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap away in barns, and yet your Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the answer to that question is you absolutely are. How can worrying add a single day of your life? I take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. They're more beautiful and I clothe them. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. So Father, we ask that You would forgive us for seeking shade, shelter, salvation, in any other place than your loving arms. We thank you for your word that says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Help us to trust you this morning, Lord Jesus, in your beautiful and precious name. Amen.